You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in everyday life. I'm Phil. And I'm Erin. And we're excited to join you in Advent 2020. Yes. Advent 2020. So in true 2020 fashion, what we've decided to do (laughs) is we are going to uh, merge. What's the fusion? This is going to be a series, a mini series for Advent, where we are doing a fusion of Advent. So hope, love, joy, peace. You know those candles you usually light every week in church, all of that, with the book of Revelation. Because if you are new around here or have been around for a long time, you'll be excited to know that Phil's book about reintroducing Revelation is coming out today. Today is the official launch day. You can find it at the link below, which is quite exciting. It's on Amazon. It is. It's really exciting. It's a fantastic read. Everyone should go and buy a copy. Um, I'm biased, but even if I wasn't biased, I truly do believe it is a fantastic read. It is getting good pre-reviews so far. It is, yes. So we are excited because what we're going to be doing is talking about what Revelation has to do with the themes that we celebrate in Advent. Because believe it or not, there is a lot there. And so this is stuff you won't get in the book. But if you're enjoying what you hear in this mini-series, I guarantee you will want to get a copy of that book. Because there's going to be some crossover. Absolutely. Well, and you know, Advent is this time when we remember Christ coming and joining us. So we often read the Christmas story, right? Mm -hmm. And we do series that have to do with that. But there's also this sense that remembering is always meant to shape us for the here and now and the tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And Revelation, of course, ends our Bible. It's the last page, but it also speaks into our lives today. So we're sort of combining this remembering aspect with this looking forward. So a different way to remember, anticipate, prepare as we do for Advent. Well, and you know what's the parallel between it really is What we like to focus on, I think are most comfortable focusing on, is the ancient people 2,000 plus years ago who were expecting a savior, looking forward to a savior. And so hope, love, joy, peace, those were the things that were wrapped up in that hope of a Messiah, right? And when we look at who we are today and where we are today, we've had the Messiah come. But Christ promises he'll come again. And so there is still that hope. But now we're not hoping for the Messiah because he's come. We're hoping for him to return. And so there's a lot of ways in which Revelation actually merges beautifully with this Christmas season. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to start jumping in. Phil is the Revelation expert, so I will be mostly uh, probing him for information. And like I said, um, what we're going to talk about here is not what's in the book that he's that he's read. So you don't want to um, think you've heard it all here, but it will give you a taste of Phil's take on Revelation and why it matters for us today. So I'm going to throw you an easy question. I think we call it lobbing, right? That's the sports term. Yeah, okay. lo- like a pitch. So, yeah. so let's get started early. Easy. Wow. Um, <laughs> let's get started with an easy one. When you hear hope and you think about the book of Revelation, because I'm sure everyone here knows hope, Jesus, baby Jesus. You know, we've, we hear that a lot. <laughs> what does hope have to do with Revelation? Why would that theme be something we could explore in that final book, which for many of us, our encounter has likely been of the left behind 
variety. Yeah, you know, I think the the best way to start is by saying there's a difference between hope and optimism. Okay. So explain op- that. Further, optimism maybe. is the idea that everything's just going to be okay. Like life's going to be good. You're going to get the job. You're going to pay those bills. Your cancer's going to go away. Right? We're going to win. Like optimism is just things are going to be positive. Things are going to be good. It's all going to work out how you kind of want it to. I'm optimistic. I know it's hard, but I'm optimistic. Right? Okay. Hope is not optimism because in order to have hope everything doesn't have to turn out how you want it to in the right here and now right and revelation is very clear that things suck okay like you know what i mean and there it's written to these seven churches in the roman empire who are under persecution um you know the passage in the very early chapters john and it's jesus speaking to them telling them that some of them are going to be thrown in prison um really difficult things that are going to happen and jesus doesn't say to them hey you're going to get out of prison or you're going to be able to pay your bills or you're not going to be killed by the roman empire there's not the sense that life is going to be okay here in fact revelation when it talks about the two witnesses who are the faithful churches right they actually die. Like, it's it, things don't turn out okay. So it's not an optimistic book, but it's a hope-filled book. So if I'm understanding you correctly, what you're saying is optimism tends to be more shallow, almost maybe above the circumstances that you're actually feeling and deeply feeling. Maybe what we do to ourselves when we kind of stuff down the what we've termed as a culture as negative feelings and like try to just make everything be quote unquote okay right whereas hope is acknowledging the hurt the pain the suffering and finding something worth living for or working towards or in this case it, it would be hope of God having that final victory. And that's the hope. Despite what's going on. So it's right. it's deep. It's a, you've acknowledged the bad, but right. you're also rooted in God still despite it. Is that right. a good so, way of putting it? Yeah, so optimism for these churches would have been, hey, you just believe in Jesus and it's all going to be okay. No, it's not going to probably be okay. But okay. hope is John sees an image of the throne room. And on the throne is a, a lamb that looks like it's been slaughtered. And around the throne are all of these worshipers singing and worshiping. And, at, and, and they have these white robes now, right? So they are with God. And God then promises at the end of the book, look, I'm coming and returning and making all things new. There will be no mm. more crying, no more pain, no more suffering. So the hope is when you see a slaughtered lamb, We don't see God holding a sword, killing all the enemies. What we have is a God who joined us in the pain, died with us and for us, and therefore says, I also have been killed by the world. So when you're suffering, you may not make it out, but I've been there. And not just I've been there, I am there. I'm with you. And death does not get the last word. So the two witnesses are resurrected. And at the end, it's this beautiful chorus of the, the tree of life there for the healing of the nations. So our hope is like an eschatological hope that death doesn't get the last word because of the slaughtered lamb. That even though the Roman Empire might appear to have all the money, all the power, all the wealth, all the fame, all the everything, their power is temporary and ultimately uh as paul would say oh death where is your sting right it's gone and the hope is 
if Jesus died and resurrected and promises the same for me, then I can continue to live faithfully because I've seen how the story ends. And that's the good news. Okay. And now I want to, I want to ask real quick to just be really clear for people when you, and then I, I have a second question after that. So when you're talking about that hope, I know for many of us, we say as believers, we have hope of heaven, of being um, with God. Can you tell me a little bit more I, um, about that tree and what hope kind of the big picture is that we're looking for beyond the suffering when all is said and done and the final victory has been won? Yeah. What well, would that look like? And yeah, let me paint that picture. But as you were speaking, I want to sort of do the politician thing and answer the question I wanted you to ask um, because I think it's related to that. I don't want us to just place hope in the future. Okay. The hope is also in the right now that the way of empire, which is the way of killing your enemies, oppressing those who you need to to get what you want, having everything really cheap, not caring for the environment, um, compromising on everything, right? Every, everything being about money, sex, fame, security, safety, comfort, whatever it mm -hmm. is. The hope is that Revelation says... Even if you die, basically, that is a better existence than the existence they're living. Even though their existence is full of comfort and supposed security, there's nothing safe or good about it. Mm -hmm. And so the hope is, yes, so let's paint a picture of the end, right? But the hope is also that the best way to thrive as a human being right now is to be a person of self-sacrificial love and service. And so the hope is, even if the world doesn't understand, even if you become an outcast, even if you become oppressed because of it, if you are doing the right thing in love for peace and justice, the hope is that there is no better life than okay. that right now. And so they're trying to encourage the churches with a hope that says, you know, Revelation, we've placed so much of it about being in the future. And actually, Revelation is all about now. It's all about right here. So that hope is alive in our lives now. But we we can only live it because of that image we know is coming. Right. And so as you were talking about, you know, the, the image of uh, the final resurrected, re, re, uh, fully redeemed world, it's here. It's a redeemed earth. And it says there's no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering. The gates of heaven are open all day, mm. which is a whole other conversation in and of itself, <laughs> right? But there's a sense and there's no wall blocking anymore. There's community. There's wholeness. There's peace. There aren't some at the top with others on the bottom. The elders who have the crowns are constantly tossing them at the throne because they supposedly have this, like, ooh, you know, I wonder if one of those seats is for me, right? I want to be one of the elders who, like, is up at the front, right? Except all they do is keep tossing their crowns and how unworthy they are, right? And so there, there is no um, injustice and there's there's peace. And so the, the tree is this tree of life and it says its leaves are for the healing of nations. And so there's no longer division because of how someone looks. They look different. They think different. They act different. They, you know, what whatever we, Satan is a divider, right? Along a million different lines in our world, we're divided. Mm -hmm. And the hope and the peace and is and actually I was listening to a modest Yahoo song about this yesterday um, and it's called one I would highly recommend everyone go and listen to it 
the video that I watched, I understand, was Muslims and Jewish people together, and they sing this song in English, Hebrew, and Arabic. And they're talking about one, when our kids can play together, when there's no more division. And that is the heavenly vision that we're given, is that it is through God that all that peace can come. Now, it might just be me, but hearing that vision, that future vision... That's what helps inform and teach me how to live that hope out today, exactly. which I think is the beauty of Revelation is it it kind of keeps going in this cyclical nature where you go forward and then you come present and you can even look back and see there too. So I had one more question about hope for you with Revelation. Yes. And that was this. So well, before we go to that, com- can I comment on something you just said? Sure. Because I think you are getting to something important there that the bringing it into the present then with Advent is to say the advent of Jesus was that vision of heaven, like coming alive in this person of Jesus. And Jesus saw everybody. He heard everybody. He went to everybody. And so if revelation is going to inform us for advent and hope to be people of hope, we ought to be people who break down barriers, for example. Mm. So revelation is saying the gates are open. Why don't you open them now? Why wait? Mm. Open the gates now. If there's a way to heal the nations, be the one who brings about the healing. Be the one who says, I'm specifically going to go to people who think and act differently than me. Because in the end, Revelation says, we're all coming together. The invitation is to say, can you remember what Jesus did? Can you see what's coming? And can you merge them in the today? So that's how we live that hope now. That's beautiful. So then my final question Well, not my final, final question, but the final one for today (laughs) (laughs) is I know many people who have read the Left Behind books and popular Christian uh, belief, I believe many of us have adopted that as kind of, well, this is how the book of Revelation plays out. And I've seen a lot coming about lately where people are trying to peg where we are in the projection sequence so that you can kind of see what's coming next. And I'm wondering if you could address for us why the left behind perspective of interpreting Revelation doesn't provide the level of hope (laughs) that the original writer of Revelation being John intended for it to be for us today. Yeah, so I loved the Left Behind books when I was in high school. Oh, I so did too. And I think it's because I love like Walking Dead, I Am Legend, any apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic story. That's where we so, <laughs> so this was like a Bible version of the apocalyptic literature, right? Which yeah. is a misunderstanding of what apocalyptic literature, I mean, not a complete misunderstanding, but it's not the full picture. It's a stretch. And from what I remember reading of them, my perspective is that they do more to divide than to unite. Okay. That there isn't much hope um, because it's destruction and war. Like the the Christians who are left, quote unquote, left behind are like fighting the enemies, right? Mm-hmm. And Revelation, we don't see a war. We just don't. It's not there. This idea of like the blood being up to the, you know, all these things, right? Those images are there, but um, the the weapon Jesus uses is a two-edged sword that comes from his mouth, which is what the Bible also calls the Bible, right? Mm. Like Jesus uses the word, the truth to, to battle, quote unquote, the enemies, not, you know, Jesus isn't all of the sudden um, 
you know, Genghis Khan or, uh, you know. He didn't have a massive uh, personality shift. Yeah, some, you know, level 100 World of Warcraft carrier, you know, character who's got all these weapons and goes out and kills all the enemies. Um, Jesus wants to unite around peace and shalom. And Jesus wants to show that forgiveness and justice and service are the way. Now, if you're going to fight against that, like, you, you can't be a part of it, right? You, you, it's, you won't get along in heaven if you can't love other people. If people That's very C.S. Lewis, the great divorce. Right? Yeah, I yeah. Think. It would be hell to say, well, you have to get along with this person and love them. That's, you know. So I don't see the Left Behind series as having much hope because it doesn't seem rooted in the same service, justice, peace, um, reconciliation. Mm. And what I see it often leading to, and sometimes we, we, we have to look at things by their fruit, right? And what I know the Left Behind series did to me was cause me to be very skeptical of people who I thought could become the Antichrist or mm. very skeptical of certain countries in the world because they're going to be the ones that Christians are going to have to fight when the Antichrist shows up and after the rapture and all that stuff. So the fruit, to me anyway, that it often leads to is disunity, mm. distrust, um, rather than reaching out to those who are different, it causes us to fear them. It causes us to push them out further. Um, so I just don't see, I just don't see the peace and the reconciliation and the unity and the reaching across to the outcast, reaching across to the enemy um, that we actually see in the book. And so, I, I mean, I think that's a really long conversation, but mm -hmm. I just, oh, yeah. don't, <laughs> I just don't see the same hope of the same hope that it actually seems to cast. So that I, I don't know that that's a full answer, but I think it starts to get at it for me that the fruit has not proven to be good for me or for others that I know have read it um, or others that really ascribe to that philosophy. And I think it misses the importance of feed your enemy, clothe your enemy, mm. give water to your enemy. Um, if you're skeptical of someone, you might need to love and pray for them harder. Um, so I think it just misses that is my sense. Listening to you, I think something else that you have danced around in your answer, which I thought was a lovely, a lovely one for a very loaded question, is you've danced around this idea that Revelation is full of apocalyptic symbolism and imagery, which is intended to be read and understood in one way, and that by making it a literal set of occurrences, it creates this distrustful, fearful atmosphere yeah. where if instead we could embrace the symbolism and understand the meaning that is what leads us to this um like dance of shalom that you were talking yeah. about to which i would say that's a perfect segue once again into encouraging you to read phil's book because <laughs> that is one thing he does beautifully he does it's not a commentary so you're not going to go verse by verse through the whole book that right. would that would be a, like an encyclopedia set but he does a beautiful job of going into the symbolism of some of the most misunderstood symbols of Revelation and helping us understand what's really going on historically in the context of apocalyptic literature and then why that would matter for us today. So. Yeah, so rather than it being about a future war or a future Antichrist or future, 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 which is what those books told me, is that it's all about what happens someday and you'll probably be dead before it happens, so why care? Revel keep your eyes open just right. in case you're not. Right. You don't want to get stuck in the chain right. of it. Which leads to the distrust and all of those things. Right. But it's actually all about how are these systems alive and well right here? How do you live hope now? Not how do you live hope someday down the road if you're left behind or this happens, blah, blah, blah. No. How do you live hope in the midst of a pandemic? Mm -hmm. 
How do you live hope hope in the midst of a neighbor who's driving you crazy or a broken marriage or a broken relationship or a loss or, or you can't pay your bills? How do you live hope in that? And that's what Revelation does. Revelation says, let me show you healing here and now, even if everything doesn't turn out exactly as we hope. Wonderful. Well, Phil, thank you so much for taking us into the book of Revelation through the lens of hope. We will be back next week with the next episode in our Advent series, which will again go into Revelation, but through context of a slightly different viewpoint. So we're really glad that you have joined us here today. Again, uh, click on the link below. Um, You can go to Amazon and search Phil Vestal Reintroducing Revelation. That works as well. But I'd highly encourage you to get your hands on a copy. Makes a great Christmas present. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, it's got prime shipping and everything. So get there in time. So so friends, (laughs) if if you get it, let us know what you think. And until next time, grace and peace be with you.